1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel 30. This is before David is king, but it's getting close to the time that David is about to be king, and the Lord has given him a lot of uh, loyal followers, and the hand of the Lord is obviously blessing him. But things aren't going perfect, and David goes down to the Philistines, and they don't want him because they're afraid he won't be uh, loyal, and things are going on, and things are going wrong, and here, here they go real wrong for a little while. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1, And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city and behold, it was burned with fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captives, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess and Abigail the wife of Nabal the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. So David went, he and the six hundred men that were with him, and came to the brook Besor, where those that were left behind stayed. But David pursued, he and four hundred men, for two hundred abode behind, which were so faint that they could not go over the brook Besor. And they found an Egyptian in the field, and brought him to David, and gave him bread, and he did eat, and they made him drink water. And they gave him a piece of a cake of figs, and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit came again to him, for he had eaten no bread, nor drunk any water three days and three nights." David said unto him, To whom belongest thou, and whence art thou? And he said, I am a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite. And my master left me, because three days agone I fell sick. We made an invasion upon the south of the Carathites, and upon the coast which belongeth to Judah, and upon the south of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said to him, Canst thou bring me down to this company? And he said, Swear unto me by God that thou wilt neither kill me nor Deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will bring thee down to this company. And when he had brought him down, behold, they were spread abroad upon all the earth, eating and drinking and dancing, because of all the great spoil that they had taken out of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judah. And David smote them from the twilight even unto the evening of the next day. And there escaped not a man of them, save four hundred young men, which rode upon camels and fled. And David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives, and there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil nor anything that they had taken to them. David recovered all. David took all the flocks and the herds which they drave before those other cattle and said, This is David's spoil. 
David came to the 200 men which were so faint that they could not follow David whom they had made also to abide at the brook Besor and they went forth to meet David and to meet the people that were with him and when David came near to the people he saluted them. Then answered all the wicked men and men of Belial of those that went with David and said because they went not with us we will not give them aught of the spoil that we have recovered save to every man his wife and his children that they may lead them away and depart. Then said David, Ye shall not do so, my brethren, with that which the Lord hath given us, who hath preserved us, and delivered the company that came against us into our hand. For who will hearken unto you in this matter? But as his part is that goeth down to the battle, so shall his part be that tarrieth by the stuff. They shall part alike. And it was so from that day forward that he made it a statute and an ordinance for Israel unto this day. I want to preach tonight, wept till they had no more power. To weep. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray you come down and bear witness to the truth of your word. God, speak to us and speak through us and help us learn some things about some times that there are going to be some real bad setbacks in our lives. And I hate to say it, and I don't want to be a prophet of doom because there will be some real good times too, but the truth is there will be some real sad times and there will be some real disappointments. And there will be some times, dear God, that we'll just weep and weep. And uh, Lord, I pray that you help us find some encouragement here in, these, in this passage. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, just before David's king, and he's a glorious king, he's one of the greatest kings of all of history and in the Bible. He's a wonderful king. But before he's king, he has to go through some opposition. Bob Jones Sr. said, The door to the room of success swings on the hinges of opposition. Amen. And if you're going to be greatly exalted like Joseph was in Egypt, you're going to go through some hard times to get there. If you're going to be greatly exalted like David was, king of Israel, you're going to go through some hard times to get there. And that's going to be all worth it. Joseph said, I don't even remember the toil in all my father's house for all the blessing that God has given me. I mean, it'll be wonderful. But until then, <laughs> there will be some things to plow through. And this is one of the great illustrations of that truth in the Word of God. Now, there are several sorrows that uh, David suffers just before being king. Uh, maybe the biggest and most obvious is that Saul misunderstands him and persecutes him and thinks he's uh, trying to kill him and trying to take over his kingdom. And, of course, David never was. David was just as loyal as he could be. But the truth of the matter is a lot of people are insecure and they have an inferiority complex and they're just scared to death somebody's going to overtake their authority and disrespect them in some way. And uh, the truth of the matter is we all have some insecurities and every single one of us at times has uh, overreacted to something because we were insecure about something that there really was no reason to be insecure about. Oh, yeah. That's just the truth. We've all done it some, but some people did it way worse than most. And Saul had a bad case of it. Very self-centered and very worried about how everything was going to affect him. If that's not enough, Saul gave Michael, his daughter, to David to be his wife and then took her and gave her to another man. So he lost the king that had exalted him, lost his loyalty, then he lost his wife, then he lost his best friend Jonathan. Now Jonathan, buddy, was a friend that stuck with David. And even though he stayed with his dad and messed up in not being as loyal to David as he could have, he was still real loyal to David. Amen. And uh, when David and his men abode in the wood, uh, Jonathan did go back to the king's palace. I'll give him, I'll, I will admit that much. 
But that's about the only thing he ever did wrong. He was, he was loyal to David, as loyal as he could be. And uh, the Lord let him be killed. And just a few pages over, 2 Samuel chapter 1, verse 12, it says, And they mourned and wept and fasted until even for Saul and for Jonathan his son and for the people of the Lord and for the house of Israel because they were fallen by the sword. So here David is thinking he's being raised up to king. He's been anointed by the prophet Samuel. But lo and behold, the king turns against him. He loses his wife. He loses his best friend. Then one of his great allies that had been a general under uh, Saul, well, while David had served Saul, was a guy named Abner. And one of uh, the men on David's side got uh, unreasonable and killed Abner and broke David's heart. Because here was a man that he knew was valiant and honorable, even though he was on the other side. And David hated to see that happen. Sure enough, it did. In 2 Samuel chapter 3, verse uh, 31, it says, And David said to Joab and to all the people that were with him, Rend your clothes and gird you with sackcloth and mourn before Abner. And King David himself followed the bier. And they buried Abner in Hebron, and the king lifted up his voice and wept at the grave of Abner, and all the people wept. And the king lamented over Abner and said, Died Abner as a fool dieth? Thy hands were not bound, nor thy feet put into fetters. As a man falleth before a wicked man, so fellest thou. And all the people wept again over him. And when all the people came to cause David to eat meat while it was yet day, David swore, saying, So do God to me, and more also, if I taste bread or aught else, till the sun be down. And all the people took notice of it, and it pleased them, as whatsoever the king did pleased all the people. For the people, for all the people and all Israel understood that day that it was not of the king to slay Abner, the son of Ner. So he's just having setback after setback after setback when he's getting ready to take over the kingdom and when he first takes over the kingdom. But as great as any of them is the one we just read about in our text. I mean, this is a bad one. Here he's running for his life and he's got his family and all of his men's families and they're hid there and they're safe in a place called Ziklag and they go out and Check on some things as uh, men, military men do when they get home, everything's gone. Now, this is a time of terrible sorrow, and they're weeping until they have no more power to weep. And I may as well tell you, sorrow is not all of life, but it is a significant part Amen. of life. In your life, you're going to have some things happen that just break your heart. Uh, some things that you love very dearly and that are closest to you of everything, you're going to lose them. Does Jesus care when I've said goodbye to the dearest on earth to me? And my sad heart aches till it nearly breaks as it ought to him, does he see? Oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. When the days are weary, the long nights dreary, I know my Savior cares. And so David, the man after God's own heart, went through great sorrow and suffering. Uh, Jeremiah, God's prophet, is called the weeping prophet. Jesus, the Son of God, is called a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and it is only said of him one time that he rejoiced. Never once does it say that he laughed. Paul said, In me first, Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him. 
Now, some of these uh, sorrows were punishments for some wrongdoing that some of the men did. Obviously not in the case of Jesus. He obviously didn't do anything wrong. But for the other men, some of it was uh, because of their own wrongdoing. Sometimes it was oppositions or trials or testings for right doing. <laughs> some might say, well, I'm just not going to serve God then if a bunch of troubles are going to come on me. Yeah, well, I got bad news for you. The way of the transgressor is hard too. I don't care if you serve the Lord or you serve the devil, Mr. Hard Times is coming to your house. Amen. So you may as well serve Jesus and at least have him there to comfort you when they do come. Uh, but either way, um, God shows up and allows this life to be a veil of tears. Many came while the victim was out of God's will, but many others came while the victim was right in the center of God's will. Now, of course, the world and the flesh just want to remove the pain quickly. And the devil wants to make sure you don't learn the lesson of the pain, so you go through it again and again. But God just sometimes lets us weep until we have no more power to weep. Now, why would God do this? Does he just hate us? Uh, sometimes God lets us weep like this because, and I quote, Sorrow is better than laughter, for by the sadness of the countenance, the heart is made better. Ecclesiastes 7. Another uh, reason he does is because when patience is learned, and patience has her perfect work, patience. <laughs> Boy, I hate that one. Patience and long-suffering, the twin evils. <laughs> But you know what the Bible does? It teaches both patience and long-suffering. Amen. Now, never, now, the new Bibles will use the word patience in respect to God. Now, God is not a patient God. When he decides it's time to do something, he just does it right then. You and I, we don't get that. <laughs> Me, You and I, we have to sit there for a long time and show patience. And you know what the Bible says? Let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire. Wanting nothing. So sorrow is better than laughter. Uh, because by sorrow of the countenance, the heart is made better. So it works on your heart. helps your heart to go through sorrow. When patience is learned and has her perfect work, you can, as David, encourage yourself in the Lord your God. If it doesn't last a good long time, it doesn't get the work completed to the point that you can encourage yourself in God the way David does. Number three, when he has comforted us in all our tribulation, we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Isn't that a blessing? You're going through something hard? One of these days, you'll be able to be a blessing to somebody else who's going through a similar thing. Do you want to be used of God? Oh, man. That's the, that's the blessing of living on this earth. There's a... Longing in my heart which cannot be denied. It's a longing which has never yet been satisfied. The chorus of that song goes on to say, to be used of God, to see, to feel, to pray, to be used of God, to show someone the way. I long so much to feel the touch of His consuming fire. To be used of God is my desire. You want to be used of God? All right, well, you're going to have to go through some trouble. And have some patience and let it last for years. And you keep right. But I'll tell you what will happen. Number one, the heart will be better. Number two, you'll get to a place where you can encourage yourself in the Lord your God 
And number three, you'll be able to help some other people that you could have never helped if you Amen. hadn't gone through some of the things you've gone through. Bible says, weep with them that weep. Number four, then in some cases, like Joseph or David, the blessing is so abundant that we can bless many others with it. Now, it's one thing to bless, you know, the people that are close to you. But Joseph and David blessed multitudes of people, thousands of people. And if you count all the history and the accounts in the scripture that everybody's read, they've blessed billions of people, no doubt. So that's the broader context of this weeping that David has gone through. Now let's look at the specific content of this weeping. All right, look down at verse 4 here in our text. 1 Samuel 30, it says, David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept. All right, who were the people that were with him? They were the fierce men of war. I mean, these guys, have you read about David's mighty men? Oh, yeah. I mean, they get in a fight with a giant, go down there, whoop him, take the weapon out of his hand and kill him with his own weapon. They get in a fight with a lion in a pit on a snowy day and kill the lion. How many people you know can whoop a lion? <laughs> they have whooped a hundred people or more at a time. They had whooped people till they were holding the sword so long their hand claimed to the sword. That's true. And these tough guys that shed blood like you couldn't imagine... You know, if, if, a, if a fighter pilot shoots down, say, five enemy uh, airplanes, he is a ace, buddy. He yeah. is a hero. You shot down five planes. What about these guys killing hundreds of people? Hundreds of people. Mm -hmm. And yet, what are they doing? Weeping till they had no power, no more power to weep. I don't care how tough you are. Let me tell you what's going to go on in your life. Some things are going to go on that are going to pierce your heart. And blood, sweat, and tears are going to come out. I don't care if you're the toughest guys there's ever been. And I'd put David's, David's mighty men up with about anybody. Oh, yeah. The Lord knows how to bring the tears from your eyes. And I'm sorry to tell you, so does the devil. He knows what you love. And he knows where to get you. All right, so uh, it was the people that were with him, the fierce men of war, and they lifted up their voice and wept. I mean, sometimes I'll be hearing a, a blessed message and the Lord will be speaking to me and I feel him real close and my heart is so touched, I'll get sitting there in the pew, maybe when we have a special speaker and I'll be weeping quietly. This wasn't that kind of thing. They lifted up their voice and wept. They were yelling and weeping. They were screaming and crying. Their hearts were broken. Their lives were changed. Oh, what a thing they were going through. I've heard stories of people who were involved in large traffic wrecks where a whole family was wiped out and the one person that survived, even in the moments afterwards when it was obvious that their loved ones had died in this wreck, they were, some of the first thoughts they had is, wow, how different my life is going to be now all of a sudden. Everybody I'm used to living with, everybody that everything I've known is all taken from me now. I'm the only one left from the whole family. They've all been killed in this terrible car wreck. Can you imagine what a thing? And these people thought they'd lost their whole families that way. And they're screaming and crying until they had no more power to weep. In other words, it lasted. It lasted. 
Days later, they were still weeping. When you get serving God, there are going to be some things break your heart. and It's going to be so bad you're going to lift up your voice and weep. And I wish I could tell you, but don't worry, don't worry. An hour later, you'll be getting over it. I can't promise you that. Sometimes it'll be days and weeks. I'm sorry to tell you, sometimes it'll be months and years. I wish I could tell you different. I wish I could tell you the Lord just, you know, gives you a... You know, he, he doesn't just... When I was in Christian school and they'd give us a spanking, all they'd do is give us three swats. <laughs> Man, you, you might get through three swats. But some of the stuff the Lord's going to let you get through, it's a whole lot longer than three swats. Oh, yeah. It's going to go on. It's going to go on. Uh, it lasted. All right, the next thing I notice in verse 6, it says, And David was greatly distressed. By the way, I looked up that word distressed to make sure I understood it. Distressed means great pain, anxiety, or sorrow, acute physical or mental suffering, affliction, trouble. So David's in a bad place here. He's greatly distressed. Now look at the next phrase. For the people spake of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. Uh, this is mighty bold of them. They spake of it out, out loud. Here is a man that had the hand of God on him. Here is the man that has been anointed to be the next king. Here's the one that they've all been loyal to up till now. And they're openly talking of killing him. The horrible death of stoning. They're saying it out loud. Secondly, when somebody is really upset, don't hold everything they think and say and do against them. There are times, brother and sister, when you're, you just come through a hard time. And you're sad, and you're mad, and you're hurt, and you're defensive, and you're scared to make a move. And the truth is, you just do some stuff that just ain't that smart. Every one of us in a time of great emotion has spoken unadvisedly with our lawyers, haven't we? <laughs> We have said some things we really didn't mean. We've had to go back and say, I'm sorry, I didn't really mean that. Most of us have done that in the family, and most of us have done that in the neighborhood, and most of us have done that at work. <laughs> and just uh, we just overreact sometimes. And sometimes you've got to take that into account. If there was ever a, ever a time that you'd try to have a little grace with somebody, as, as they say in our day, give them a pass, it'd be when they come home and their whole family's all gone. And all their life savings and everything they were counting on. You know, the whole reason they're following David is because God's hand is on him and he's going to be king. And lo and behold, he's not king and hadn't been king for quite a while. And on top of that, they lost everything they got, including the people they, lo they love most. You know what? You're going to have to have a little grace for somebody going through something like that. You don't need to hold every little thing. What? You said that. Forget you then. You're no... God greatly uses these people a little bit later. Some Baptists need to remember that. Oh, yes. Uh, John Mark did something that was not a good thing at all. But you know what the, Paul, the Apostle Paul said after not wanting anything to do with him earlier in his ministry? At the end of his ministry, he's saying, bring Mark for he is profitable for me for the ministry. Just because somebody messes up and even messes up pretty bad doesn't mean the hand of the Lord isn't on them. And sometimes, especially if a lot of time has passed. Especially if a lot of time has passed and they've proven, hey, they've been faithful. And by all accounts, they have been spreading the word of God and they've been living clean and they staying close to the Lord and they love his people. Uh, 
it's worth another chance. It really is. All right, so the people spake of stoning him. Now, his parents were up in Moab, so they weren't there to comfort him. How good it is to have parents to comfort you when you go through hard times. But he didn't have that. His nation could not receive him because their king was still trying to kill him. The Philistines had just expelled him. His family had just been kidnapped. The one thing he had was these loyal, mighty men, and now they're speaking of stoning him. He has no one left except the one that, that finally matters. And what does it say he did? We've seen the specific content of this weeping. Now let's look at the saving conclusion to this weeping. It all started when David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. There was nothing else to encourage him in. No family, no money, no loyal men, no obvious path to the kingdom. The Philistines that he had even made friends with, even they had expelled him. And I don't recommend that he made friends with the Philistines, but he did. I mean, there was not once he could honestly sing that song, Where Could I Go But To The Lord? <laughs> there was nowhere else to go. Now, one of these days, maybe your spouse will have died or, God forbid, left you. Maybe the kids are all gone. Maybe people that you were counting on aren't around anymore. I remember as Dr. Ruckman got up in years and most of his family had died and most of his friends had died, I remember he wrote an article in the bulletin talking about the friends that had already gone on and how he had more friends over on the other side than he has here now. And he said, uh, at the end of it, he said something to the effect of, uh, I am sorry you're gone, my friends. Your buddy misses you. And one of these days, we're all going to be in a place where our friends and family are about all gone we're going to be missing them, but there's somebody we'll still have, even if we don't have one soul left. And you know what you do? Encourage yourself in Him. Amen. Alright, uh, why do you encourage yourself in the Lord His God? Here's why. For enabling. Enabling. If you're going to get up and do anything, boy, you're going to need some enabling. I have been in this uh, situation to some degree, nothing like what David went through or Joseph went through, but to some degree, and you get scared to make a move. The last two or three decisions you made were all wrong and catastrophic. <laughs> and you end up losing everything. And even though, you know, you, you feel like you're pretty smart and you know what to do, you're scared to try it because everything you tried has failed miserably, spectacularly. <laughs> uh, if it wasn't me, it would have been hilariously. <laughs> It would have been something to almost laugh at. It was such a wipeout. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God so he could be enabled to take the next step. Even in times like this, you are going to need to take the next step. Now, I'm not saying that you can't weep for a night. I'm not saying that you can't take a week off and regroup. <laughs> I remember one time we were having a a company picnic at a place I was working and the big boss over all of us was in a dunking booth you know where he'd sit up on this thing and they'd throw the softball and hit the target and make him fall down in the water you know and 
for whatever reason, some big old strong-armed, accurate-throwing men had got up there, and just one after the other, they were just dunking him like crazy, you know. And after about four dunks in a row, he hardly could catch his breath before they knocked him again. He said, okay, wait just a minute, wait just a minute. Let me regroup and, and get, get my stuff all together here <laughs> before they even went on anymore. Now listen, one of, one, one of these days, you're going to hit some setbacks, hopefully not as bad as what David does here, but some pretty bad ones. And you might have to take a few minutes, a few hours, a few days, a few weeks, maybe even a few months to get your stuff together again. And that's okay. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Don't ever be ashamed of having to regroup when you've had a big bad setback. That is fine. There is nothing wrong with that at all. Don't let anybody tell you there is. But now I'm talking bad things. I'm not talking about, oh, I had to work today. <laughs> I'm talking about tragedy, okay? <laughs> there are some people that, oh, man, they need to be petted because they just worked a regular day today. Well, Let's be a little tougher than that. But now if you've lost your dearest loved ones, hey, you know what? Bless your heart. You deserve some time off. Go ahead and regroup. I'm with you. David encouraged himself in the Lord his God for enabling. Number two, David inquired at the Lord. Look at verse 8. And David inquired at the Lord. He has said to Abiathar, bring hither the ephod. That's how you talk to God. That's Amen. how you got an answer to God. We better be serving a real God. We better be serving somebody that actually shows up when Mr. Hard Times comes to our house. And after you've regrouped and after you've loved on the people around you that do love you, get a hold of God and say, Lord, what do I do next? And look to Him for an answer. You encourage yourself in the Lord God for enabling. You inquire at the Lord for direction. Let me tell you something. You do not know the direction you need to go. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. Man's goings are of the Lord. How can a man then understand his own way? The answer is you can't. When Dr. Upman wrote that letter at the end of his life and said the greatest lesson I've ever learned in my whole life. You know what he said it was? that I don't have the sense to direct my own life, and I leave that to God. Amen. Now, Dr. Upton was greatly used of the Lord and put as many missionaries on the field as anybody and pastors of churches as anybody and knew the Bible better than anybody, in my opinion. And uh, the Lord was all over him, and his life was blessed in a million ways, along with plenty of opposition, too. And he said the greatest lesson of his whole life was, you know what? Let God just lead. Get your direction from him. Jeremiah 10, 23, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. All right, so you go to the Lord for encouragement. You inquire of the Lord for direction. And then you enact the Lord's plan for recovery. Look at this. He says, shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered, Pursue, for thou, and I love these words, shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. Hey, let me tell you what the Lord's doing there. He is testing David. David said he was going to be, or Samuel had anointed him to be king. God had said he was going to be king. And he's saying, All right, now do you believe me now? It was one thing to believe me back then, it was another thing to believe me while you were having all these military victories and moving up the ranks. 
But now that Saul is trying to kill you, you've lost your wife, you've lost your best friend, you've lost your family, your loyal men are talking about stoning you, do you believe me now? You go pursue Damn, him. Good boy. Even with these loyal men that I'm not 100% sure are even still with you. And I promise you'll recover all. Now, buddy, that's a test. You talk about nervous. I'd have been nervous at that point. <laughs> but there's one thing that I trust, I would put my faith in, that the Word of God said, Shout surely, without fail, recover all. Once God says it, all other worries are quenched. Amen. <laughs> They're gone because of the Word of God. He enacted the Lord's plan for recovery. Now, notice what goes on as he goes to do this. Verse 11, And they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David and gave him bread and he did eat. And they made him drink water and gave him a piece of a cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit came again to him. That is a very interesting thing to me, how that you can be out of it. You, you can't even concentrate. And you can get a little water and a little food and come to life again. I have had that happen. I have been, I mean, soccer practice and basketball practice till I couldn't barely stand up, get one swallow of water, and go right back to it. Now, granted, I was younger in those days. <laughs> but it is amazing to me how just a little bit of sustenance, boom, you're back at it. All right, so his spirit came again to him. And David said, who, to whom belongest thou? And he tells the story, and he said, well, I'll tell you what. Don't kill me or deliver me back to my master, and I'll bring you down. You know what? David had some compassion on him. He said, I'll tell you what, I won't do either one. Number one, you help me. Number two, I'm going to help you. Uh, when you're going through hard times like this, it is a real good thing to have compassion on. Now, David yeah, had a good point. heart. Don't misunderstand. He's a man after God's own heart, and there's story after story throughout his life of him helping people. So he tended to anyway. But it is true that when you've been wounded like this, your heart is a little softer mm -hmm. That's very true. than it used to be. So he encouraged himself in the Lord for enabling. He inquired at the Lord for direction. He enacted the Lord's plan for recovery. He showed compassion on the Egyptian slave God started showing up. If that wasn't enough, he showed compassion on the tired soldiers. Some men of Belial said, well, don't give them anything. They didn't even go fight with us. And David said, who in the world would listen to you? Those guys were so wore out they couldn't go any further. And they at least stayed back here and guarded our stuff so we didn't lose even more. He said, I'll tell you what, they're going to divide this spoil with us. They did their job the best they could do at the time. He showed compassion. Tell you something else he did. He gave credit to the Lord. Look at verse 23. Then said David, Ye shall not do so, my brethren, with that which the Lord hath given us, who hath preserved us and delivered the company that came against us into our hand. David knew it was the Lord. He didn't have but 400 men with him. And he went and whooped them and whooped them and whooped them. And the ones that got away, he whooped them all day from evening one day till evening of the next day. And still 400 escaped. Reckon how many there was before. Amen. He said, hey, God did this. Don't tell me you went and fought and won all this. God
God did that. There's no way in the world you could have defeated those people. And you just didn't happen to be as tired as those guys. The Lord did this. You don't deserve this spoil. This is God's. This is God's blessing. He gave the credit to God. I'll tell you something else he did. He set a precedent. He said, in case anybody in Israel coming after me thinks that because somebody is so wore out they can't go on, they deserve to be punished, he said, from now on it's going to be an ordinance that when some people stay by the stuff, they're going to divide just like the people that went and fought. He set a precedent. And he was generous. Verse, um, not only verse 24 does he give spoil to those that stayed by the stuff. He shares it with a bunch of other people too. Look at the paragraph mark, verse 26. And when David came to Ziklag, he sent out of the spoil, he sent of the spoil unto the elders of Judah, even to his friends, saying, Behold, a present for you of the spoil of the enemies of the Lord, to them which were in Bethel, and to them which were in South Ramoth, and to them which were in Jatur, and to them which were in Aroer, and to them which were in Sifmoth, and to them which were in Eshtemoah, and to them which were in Rechal, and to them which were in the cities of the Jeremielites, and to them which were in the cities of the Kenites, and to them which were in Hormah, and to them which were in Korishan, and to them which were in Athak, and to them which were in Hebron, and to all the places where David himself and his men were wont to haunt. David not only didn't hold it all for himself, he not only didn't hold it all for his 400 men, he not only didn't hold it all for his 400 men and the 200 that stayed by the stuff, he said, God did this, this is God's, not mine. Don't you know he could have used that to put in the war chest and oh, him trying to take over the kingdom? He said, this is a gift from God. I'm sharing it with everyone that's been on my team and been on my side and blessed me in all the places where we've been when I didn't have a thing, couldn't help you. Isn't that a blessing? Mm -hmm. Let me tell you what to do. When you find yourself alone in a time of great discouragement, don't you feel bad about taking some time off. And you encourage yourself in the only one that's left to you, the Lord your God. When you do that, you get busy with the Lord's plan after you've had some time off. And you show compassion on the people that you're able to. And you give all the credit to God. And you set all the precedents you can for people in the future that's coming through the same hard road that you're coming through. And watch God bless you. And right after 1 Samuel, lo and behold, we have the beginning of David's reign in 2 Samuel. But it all started with David going through terrible opposition, including a time when he and even his loyal, mighty men wept till they had no more power to weep. Mm -hmm. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, that you take these truths and you help us remember them. And Lord, there will be a time in every one of our lives